All right, so kicking off a series today, we're transitioning out of our relatable series. It doesn't mean you can stop being relatable or self-aware. You still need to be working on those things in our lives. Um, But Canyons is a series that we've been looking forward to, um, not because it's a fun series, but because it's a real series, and it deals with the realities of life. And so often, I think we get the, uh, the picture or the understanding that we need to clean up our lives, and then we'll be good enough for God. And that's not true. Like God is not waiting for you to get yourself cleaned up to come to him. Uh, God wants you to turn back to him in whatever condition you're in because he loves you right now and right wherever you are in the midst of your life. He's not waiting for you to get it all together. He doesn't expect you to get it all together because he wants to do something in you that you cannot do on your own. And that's the beauty of God. He accepts us as we are, and he loves us as we are. But we don't feel it all the time, do we? Uh, Canyons are those dark places in life. Uh, At times in in the Christian tradition, they've been known as the the, the dark night of the soul. And I love that phrase, not because it's good, but because it describes what it feels like to be surrounded by darkness and feel completely alone in life. Um, I wanted to mention, as we walk into this series, this week, uh, someone brought this to my attention, that this week is is the World Mental Health Awareness Day on the 10th. And if you've you've read much in the news in in the last few years, you you realize that, like, the rates of depression have skyrocketed, and suicide rates have began to, to increase over the last number of years. And so this year, uh, on the 10th of October, this, this Mental Health Awareness Day, um, suicide prevention is the focus. And some of the, the numbers just about suicide, they, they estimate about 800,000 people a year, so close to a million people a year um, in their own life with suicide. And um, we've experienced it here um, with, with our com- larger community, um, some at the school, at Desert Mountain High School. We've experienced the loss of some, some lives of kids. And a lot of times, it comes out of the dark night of the soul. When depression sinks in at a level where, where kids and adults alike feel like they are completely alone and there's no way out. And we want to speak into the reality of that, and we want to explore some of what David wrote. Um, it's Suicide is the second leading cause of death among 15 to 29-year-olds in our country. Second leading cause of death uh, between 15 and and 29-year-olds in our country. Uh, It's not just that age group. It's it's a larger group than that. Um, On my bucket list is to go to Page, Arizona, not because Page is awesome, but because of what is all around it is awesome, and I've never been able to go. Uh, Antelope Canyon, how many of you have been to Antelope Canyon? Yes. Um, the pictures are incredible. And then on the other side of Antelope, uh, of Page, are, uh, is Horseshoe Canyon, is it Horseshoe Bend? And you've been there? Some of you have been there? Yeah. Um, so here's a picture I stole. I didn't take it. I, I found it on the internet. And I was thinking about Antelope Canyon and how it was formed. So I did a little research because I'm a nerd and 
found that the way Antelope Canyon was formed was by violent rushing water and debris that, that began to cut into some cracks in the earth and cut at the sandstone that made what now is a beautiful formation that people like to walk through and take pictures like this. And I was thinking that in many ways, the dark night of, of the soul is, is a painful experience, but that painful experience oftentimes leads to beauty in our life. And it's difficult to see that in the moment. Can you imagine being in one of these cracks in the earth as the water rushed through? Well, no. It would be almost unsurvivable. And uh, even when we had our flash flood here in the last few weeks, which is awesome when it rains here, right? But the flash flooding, I, I was driving uh, down Shea just because I wanted to get out and see all the water because we'd never see it. <laughs> I'm becoming a Phoenician, y'all. Um, so I, I get out and, and I see uh, underneath Shea, there's a, there's a culvert and on the other side is a, is, is a um, kind of a walkway, and so there's, there's a little bit of a fence. And a, an entire tree has been washed by the, the water and is stuck up against this fence, and water is just rushing through. And, and in many, many ways, that's what it feels like to be surrounded by uh, darkness. So you're stuck, and you can't get out. And the waters have surrounded you, and it feels like you can't even breathe at times. And it can be a number of things. It can be the loss of a loved one. It can be addiction. Um, it can be the loss of a job. It can just be depression. It can be some chemical imbalances in, in your life because of something else. I mean, it can be uh, betrayal of a friend. It can be anxiety that, that many of us struggle with. I mean, it can be so many different things that put us in that place where we feel completely alone and surrounded by what it is uh, rushing through. Uh, sometimes the greatest beauty in life is born out of the greatest pain and the, the, the moments of, of just complete darkness. What we're going to do in the next few weeks is we're going to look at psalms each week, a, a different psalm, and one of the challenges when reading the Bible is to see the story behind the Scripture, if that makes sense. And what David did is when he wrote the psalm, he was usually writing a psalm out of an experience he was having in life. And so often we don't connect the dots. So we want to connect some of those dots as we walk through this series. And I've learned a ton just preparing. Uh, I was reading Eugene Peterson uh, about the psalms, and he says this, The psalms teach us to pray helping give voice to the entire experience of being human and to do it honestly and thoroughly. To give voice to the entire experience of, of what it means to be human, not to hold anything back and hide it. And he goes on and he says this, we tend to think prayer is what good people do when they are doing their best. It is not. Prayer is not just for good people when they're at their best. Prayer is actually for all people, and especially when we're at our worst. The Psalms for the first century church was, was actually a prayer book, first and foremost. So when Jesus read the Psalms, he was reading them as a prayer to God. And uh, we want to, to dig in just a little bit 
to that. Okay, so let's, let's jump in, and then I want to give us space at the end of our time together just to reflect and respond and to imagine where we are in the journey. Some of us are in the dark night of the soul. Some of us have come out of a dark night. Uh, some of us have never experienced that, and, and uh, we may sense it coming. Some of us may feel as though we're the only ones who have ever experienced that dark night, and, and I want you to know you are not alone in whatever it is you're facing in your life. You're not alone in that. You, feel, you may feel completely alone, but you're not alone in that. So the story is about David and Saul. And David, it's, a, it's an interesting story. David, uh, when he was young, killed someone. You've probably heard this story. Some of you have heard this story. David and Goliath. You guys went to Sunday school. That's awesome. David and Goliath. And you remember David, he took a, um, what, do you, what do you have? Slingshot, yes, and he, and he had in that slingshot some rocks, and he slung it, and he knocked down Goliath, and usually that's the Sunday school version, and that's where it ends, but then he goes over, and he takes an, uh, a sword, and he cuts Goliath's head off so he can, like, parade it around. We usually don't tell that in church because it's weird, but it happened. You should read the Bible. It's good. Um, so, like, that's what he does, and, uh, and, and so, so you would think that Saul, who's the king, would appreciate this about David. And maybe he does for a time, but then he begins to grow jealous of, of David. Now, isn't that just like the human experience? To grow jealous of the people um, that get the attention and the focus because we want it. Like, I deserve that. I'm the king. You're not the king. I should get the... And so they started making songs about David, like they were singing about him. And, and Saul's like, no, I don't think that's a good idea. And... Um, David's friend, Jonathan, uh, talks Saul into just chilling out a little bit. Hey, don't worry about it. He's going to be fine. But then David does something else amazing. And so the story goes, um, David is in the kingdom playing his harp, a mighty warrior playing a harp. It's just a crazy story. Like this, am I the only one? I mean, playing a harp, like the guy who just cut off the head of Goliath. Anyway, he's playing a harp, and um, Saul is overcome. It says, like, a tormenting spirit comes upon him. Um, if you have teenagers, you know what I, that it means. And um, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> kind of. Um, and, and so this tormenting spirit comes upon Saul, and Saul, in the middle of the beautiful song that he's playing on the harp, um, takes a spear and hurls it at David. And David dodges it. He's a quick harp player. <laughs> and dodges it, and then he takes off. You know, now he's running for his life. And um, some of us have, have felt like that. And David writes uh, this psalm in, I think, Psalm 55, where he says this, As for my companion, he betrayed his friends. He broke his promises. Have you ever felt like someone close to you, a companion, a friend, broke their promises to you, betrayed you? Uh, he goes on to say, his words are as smooth as butter, but his heart is war. His words are as soothing as lotion, but underneath are daggers. Like he's, he's saying this to God. He's expressing what he feels to God. He feels betrayed. And not only by his friend, now he feels betrayed 
by Saul's men because they find out that David's going home and he's going to spend some time with his wife. And so Saul sends uh, a group of men to wait for David who's going to get up the next morning from his house. And, and he tells them, I want you to murder David, the one who saved the nation of Israel, David. I want you to murder him. And so David has to like sneak out at night and, and run and go on his own way. Um, isn't this a crazy story? So what is David's response to all of this? How would you respond? God, I, I've done everything right. Have you ever felt like that, that you've done everything right, but you got the short end of the stick? That you've done everything right, but you are in the one in darkness? That you've done everything right, but you're the one who seems to be punished by God? Have you ever felt like that? I'm pretty sure, I mean, David doesn't tell us, but I'm pretty sure David probably felt like he deserved nothing of what was going on in that moment. And so his prayer to God is this, rescue me from my enemies. And he writes this out of that, that, that moment when, when Saul had sent his men to murder David. Protect me from those who have come to destroy me. It's, it's pretty cool how you see the connection when you, when you see the connection between the story and like what he's actually praying or writing in the Psalms. I have done nothing wrong, yet they prepare to attack me. And then, have you ever gotten a text in all caps and you felt like, are you yelling at me or did you not know how to use all caps? Like sometimes my parents do that and I'm pretty sure they just don't know how to use texting and I'm like, why are you yelling at me right now? And they're like, I'm not yelling, you know, and... But, but David, it's like he's yelling at God, wake up, God. And it feels a little uncomfortable for me to yell like that in church. You're like, you can't talk to God like that. Wake up, God. Because I'm all alone here. And the people I was fighting for are now coming against me. The spouse that I thought loved me now walked out the door on me. The friends that I had spent so much time with have turned their back and now make up stories about me and ruin my reputation. You see David, like, typing in all caps, wake up God, as if God doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. And then, um, and then he says this, this is awesome. Don't kill them, for my people soon forget such lessons. Stagger them with your power. I mean, how awesome is that? Like complete honesty. God, don't just wipe them out because that's the easy way. I want them to suffer in the face of many. Now, we laugh at that, but like, that is raw honesty from David. And some of us, we wonder, can we really say that to God? Like, is it okay? Like, is this really in the Bible, Matt? Did you make this up? Is it a certain, trans is this the Matt translation that you use sometimes? Or is it, no, no, I mean, David, stagger them with your power and bring them to their knees. God, I want, number one, I want you to wake up because you are, seem to be sleeping right now. Number two, the people who hurt me, I don't actually want them to be wiped away 
and be God. I want them to crawl on their knees in front of a, a, a large crowd of witnesses right here and beg for my forgiveness. God, could you make that happen, please? <laughs> have, have you ever felt like that? That you've been betrayed or hurt by friends and enemies alike, and, and you, you want God to wake up and show up, and you want God to hurt them. Not just for them to ask for forgiveness, but you, you want them to be hurt. And here's what I want you to know. Where, wherever you are today, if you're in a season like this, God can handle your anger. And it's better to go cry out to him than in an unhealthy way to spew on other people. You know what I mean? Because it's easy for us just to go around and say things about those that we consider enemies or friends that have hurt us. It's easy to go around and just spew a bunch of stuff, but it's unhealthy and and, other time, and and oftentimes the other people can't handle it like God can handle it. God can handle your anger. He can handle your cussing. He can handle your uh, wanting revenge. He can, he can handle you texting him in all caps. You can do that. He can handle it. And it's actually healthy. I mean, David does it throughout the Psalms. But watch where David goes. He doesn't sit there. He doesn't stay there. He says, but as for me, I'll sing about your power. Each morning I will sing with joy about your unfailing love. Though I've been betrayed by the people around me, I'm going to sing because you haven't betrayed me. Even though it feels like you're asleep, you know, you haven't hurt me. And, and so he says, I'm, I'm going to trust you. You have been my, what's that word? Refuge. And in the dark night of the soul, all of us need a refuge. If you think about Antelope Canyon being formed by rushing water, all of us need a hiding place within that canyon as the waters surround us. So here's my, my first um, encouragement to us in, in these dark nights and in the canyon. And I'm going to come back to these again and again throughout the series. So if you want to write them down now or snap a picture, that's great. But I'll come back to it. By the end, you're going to be like, we get it, Matt. We should start with prayer. Got it. Start with prayer. David started with prayer. He didn't start with telling other people. It doesn't seem through the stories that we have. He didn't start, David didn't start um, trying to fix things on his own. He didn't start by retaliating against Saul. He started with prayer. And he began to write. He put on onto paper or papyrus or whatever it was. Don't use papyrus font. It's not good. But he used something. Anyone? Anyway. <laughs> he put onto paper and he, and he expressed to God what he felt. And he, he sought refuge in the God who loves us more than we could ever imagine. Um, and, and in prayer, I think this is important for us. Prayer isn't a place to be good. Prayer isn't a place to clean it all up. Um, prayer is a place to be honest. To be completely honest with God. And for some of you this morning, like, that's all you need. I, I've got a couple other things. It's a bummer for some of you. But for some of you, like, you can check out at this point because, like, that's your starting point is you haven't been honest with God yet and you need to be honest with God. So maybe that's it for you. Um, second thought, and I think David expresses this, is he begins to trust God. 
and trust God's action and inaction. Sometimes we want to trust God if he does what we say to him or what we ask him to do, but we need to trust his inaction as well. Because if we only trust God to do the things that we ask him to do, then we've actually put ourselves in the place of God and believed that we have a better view and perspective than he does, and we don't. So trusting God and his action, his inaction. In another psalm, David writes this, come quickly, and he, and he says, for my depression deepens. And, and for some of us this morning, that's where we are. We feel like our depression is actually deepening. We're sinking further and further and further into darkness. But he comes back and he says at the end of this passage, um, for I am, what's that word? I am trusting you. I'm trusting you. And, and what, what does that look like, trusting God? It, it means we can continue to express our anger and our frustration, but it means that we're going to say, God, I'm going to, I'm going to let you be you. I'm going to let you deal with all the, the revenge or whatever it is, the justice that needs to happen. I'm just going to lean in and trust that you're good. Um, Paul wrote in the New Testament, in your anger, do not sin. So don't trust your own instincts in those moments. Trust God. Does that make sense, the difference? If we trust our own instincts in those moments when we feel betrayed, we will hurl a spear back at Saul. We will retaliate quickly. We need to let God be God. Um, I wrote this down. I was just writing some notes and trying to write my own, my own psalms, which I think is healthy at times, just to write our own prayers. And I wrote this, that, that I may not see the light at the end of this canyon or this tunnel, but I can lean into and trust the one who does. Now think about that. You, you, you may not be able to see the, the light in Antelope Canyon that comes down in the crack of the earth, but you certainly can trust the one who does see that, and you can lean into that and trust him to lead you out. And the last, um, my last little piece of encouragement as we look at Scripture is this, is that we have the opportunity in our, in our anger and in our frustration, in our pain, we have the opportunity to follow the way of Jesus. And that's, that's our call. That's that as Christians, like what, key to, to, to what we do as Christians is to follow the way of Jesus, right? Is there an amen anywhere in the room? <laughs> as hard as it is, like our, our focus is to trust that the way Jesus does it is, is better than the way the world does it or is better than the way that I do it. And I think it's really important to remember what we feed will grow in our lives. What you feed in your life will grow in your life. And if you feed anger and if you feed hatred, anger and hatred will grow out of your life and will spill out on the people around you. If you feed it, it's going to grow. And in the same way, in the same way, if you feed forgiveness and love and the way of Jesus in your life, 
Forgiveness and love will flow out of your life and grow onto the people around you, as hard as it may be. And I, and I know some in this room right now are like, Matt, but you don't know what was done to me. Matt, you have no idea the pain that I've experienced at the hands of her or him. And I don't. I don't. And, and maybe you're not there yet. And can I just say that's okay? But don't skip the first two pieces and ignore the last. Be honest with God and trust Him. And to the best of your ability, every single day, ask God by His Spirit to give you the ability to forgive at the level you can forgive right now, at the level you can show some love right now. Jesus. If you remember, Jesus on the cross, betrayed by one of his disciples that he had spent so much time with and betrayed by his enemies who had hung him on the cross. Don't forget those words. He said, Father, forgive them for they don't fully understand what they're doing right now. And maybe you can't forgive them yet, but you can ask God to forgive them. And you can ask for God's same heart in that and trust him and maybe begin that journey of forgiveness and love because what you feed will grow. I think so often as humans, we just feed hatred and we wonder why it keeps spilling out of us. God, why do I keep letting this anger control me? Well, I think we feed it. What you feed will grow. You can feed hatred and anger all day, or you can feed some love and forgiveness and follow in the way of Jesus.